0: Good morning. Good to see you, family. It's good to be together at church. It is week number four in our series. We are Coastline, and uh, we had a word from God that came to our church a while back that I shared, and it was about the movers and the builders, and so I want to talk today about being a mover and a builder alongside of your church, Coastline Church. We've been walking through Isaiah 61 and have looked at several verses in Isaiah 61, and I want to take you to one today specifically designed for today's message. Uh, we, When I read this verse, I thought, you know what, that is a great verse uh, for today's topic. It just really just struck my heart. I said, Lord, you put that verse there for us today. It says this, in Isaiah sixty-one verse four, it says, "They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations." Oh, I just tell you, those three words really struck out, uh, struck my heart, and stuck out for me: rebuild, restore, renew. Those are words that fit the season that we're in. Amen, church. And so when I saw that, I said, yes, Lord. I I, I just see it. I see it so clearly in what you're doing in various places among the family of God, um, here in the building, through our ministries, through the outreach, through, you know, the 100 people that are coming to Alpha right now. And uh, the youth ministry, honestly, our youth ministry is exploding right now. There are kids everywhere. Pray for us, right? It's wonderful. On Thursday nights, over 100 students coming for youth ministry. Friends, that's not happening very much right now, but God is doing something good. There's a restoration. There's a rebuilding. There's a renewal, and we're so glad to be a part of that. And part of this sort of moving and building concept, this idea of being movers and builders, is really exciting. I want to tell you, the West Shore, our West Shore location, has been doing so well. They've had explosive regroup. Growth out there. There's been a restoration of that campus. And today's a special day because today they went back to Belmont High School, and we're so thankful. So grateful for Pastor Adam and the vision the team they 're back in that larger space with one service at ten o 'clock i can 't wait to hear what has happened there but we 're so thankful for the opportunity to be back at the school and You know all it 's been over two years um, two and a half years since we were in the school and it was wonderful to sense god 's favor with the school district. The answer was still no you can 't come back we don 't have the janitorial to support your you know you, you on Sundays and it's union and there 's lots of reasons, but it was always, but we want to get you back in there. We want to get you back in there and when I went just a few weeks ago to sign the contract to uh, on the lease for the space on Sundays, it was just that same excitement. Welcome back, so glad you 're back and so we just thank God for that favor, um, and the favor continues because God has really blessed us there 's some Um, folks in our church who have a a heart for the kingdom and they're also uh, doing some developing out in the west shore and they had bought up some houses that they intend to tear down and and, and build on that site at some point but that's you know a couple years down the road with zoning and all of that And uh, I reached out to them just to see if they had an office space somewhere because we were leaving the business center. And they said, we can do better than that. We have a four-bedroom house that you can have until we tear it down. And so here's our ministry house for the West Shore campus. Yeah. And um, that's that's a very happy Pastor Adam right there. Uh, They're going to put their offices there. We can do Alpha there. We can do Youth Group, because Youth Group is exploding out there as well. And uh, we can do ministry and small groups and all kinds of stuff here at this site. And uh, we're just so thankful for the generosity of those folks who have just said, this is for the kingdom. You just use it. It's going to be a blessing. And so we're so thankful for that. So isn't God good? There's moving and there's building happening all around. And we are so thankful. So blessed. So, um, you know, just, you know, as as Pastor Lisa was sharing, um, God is doing good things and um, something we do every fall around our anniversary because we're going to step into our 99th anniversary in just a couple of weeks as a movement. Um, is we have our Heart for the House offering, which is uh, such a special offering because it allows us to really prioritize the needs of the house. So including that West Shore house where we might want to do a few things to make it ready to house you know, uh, groups and youth group and so on. And so I want to ask you to consider being prepared for that special offering that comes in a few weeks it 's the 24th of October it's our heart for the house offering and this becomes our heart for the house season so we're really excited about what god 's doing here um, we're just now you know doing renovation on the preschool rooms and heart for the house will help us continue that it 'll also um, help us outfit the ministry house for the West shore and so we 're really excited about that just want you to have some time to prepare ask God what he would have- have you give um, as we get ready for another great season of moving and building. Amen? Amen? Amen. Very good. Very exciting. So this series has been about highlighting our values as a church family. And um, they come up at the beginning of the service every single week. Um, if you're here early enough, you'll see that, that uh, video that rolls before we actually start. And you're going to see four key values that come up there. And that's to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And And we've been walking through those values. And now we're in week number four of the series, which really is about... Making a difference. And we're going to talk about that today because everybody wants their life to count. Isn't that true? We all want our life to count. We all want our life to matter. We all want to make an impact and make a difference. We really do. All of us want that. And so, you know, we want to do that together because what we've learned is that the best way for you to make a difference is with other people, to do it together. Um, in this verse that we were looking at, it talks about rebuilding and restoring and renewing. But there's a, a key word in there over and over again. It says they, they, they will rebuild. You see, it's something that has to be done together. You can't do it alone. And that's really the heart of this, the power of together, the power of teamwork. And so At Coastline Church, we really believe that you make a difference by doing something together that you cannot do on your own. And that's what we're all about. You know, um, when Lisa and I were dating, you do things that you wouldn't normally do if you can do them with the person that you're dating. And so when Lisa and I were dating, um, you know, every time I look at her, she looks exactly the same as the day I met her. (laughs) I mean, you know, I just look at her and I go right back to those memories. This isn't a Valentine's message, but we'll, we'll get there next year. So anyway, um, we decided that we should maybe, you know, see each other in a few different environments. And one of the ways that you really get to know someone is to see them in their stress moments, right? So Lisa thought the best way to see my stress moment was to ask me to join a rowing team with her. I was stressed at the thought, I'm from Arizona, there's no water there. We don't do water. I didn't learn to swim till I was 12, seriously. And so, you know, she says, let's go, I'm like, what do you mean rowing? Is this like a boat that you just like go out and fish? I know how to fish. No, this was like 12 people in a boat rowing at exactly the same time, doing everything exactly the same. And so I got to tell you, this was an exercise in total horror and frustration for me. I was the worst on our team. And every time we stopped the boat to get instruction from our coach, she started with, okay, Andy, it was my name every time. Every time it was me. I was always getting it wrong. So anyway, you know, when you when you row, there is this like... I can see it. I didn't really experience it, but I can see how if you finally got yourself in sync, you know, if you actually got to the place where you could row at exactly the same time, if you could actually get to that place where it's like you hear the wind in your ears and the strokes are smooth and the boat is moving and everything is perfect. I think I experienced that once for about five seconds, (laughs) but it was enough to give me an appetite for it. And I just have this image, church, that we want to do church as a team and we want to do better than I did at rowing. But we want to get into a place where the rhythm of God's spirit directing and leading and the strokes of faithfulness as God's people work together and the overwhelming sense of what God does when we are in sync together under his leadership and in his spirit is absolutely amazing. I believe church works really great like a team. Amen? I'm glad you're talking back to me. I gotta say, when I preached this message in the first service, I thought maybe the message was terrible. I actually got a text from someone who said, tough crowd, eh? Thank you for saying amen. Anyway, for these brief moments on our, in our rowing team, We were one engine, smooth and strong. I'm sure we can do better as a church. But you know what I've learned, what I've discovered is that being on a team is the best way to make a difference over the long haul. And here's why. Because a team has a sustainable strength. It has a sustainable strength. Uh, If you're on a team, you can do what you do longer. I have two of my four who uh, play hockey. And they always have more than one line in hockey, right? Because if you have one line, you can't go as hard. You get tired. You have to come off the ice and go back on, off the ice and back on. Why? So you can go hard and you can sustain your strength. You can sustain the pressure. That is the value of a team, is its sustained strength. And so when we do it together, we actually do it better. I have this African proverb on my wall in my office that simply says this, alone you run fast, together we run far. And isn't that the truth? You might have to slow down just a bit. You might not go as fast if you're waiting for others, but I want you to know there's a sustained strength in that. You can go further. You can do it longer. And so that's one of the most beautiful things about the body of Christ. 99 years of sustained strength. Amen? That doesn't happen alone, friends. That happens because this is a vibrant house of worship. Somebody should say amen because I think that's pretty good. Preaching right there. So we really do church as a team and for some of you that might feel like a new concept you might be thinking about that and thinking that's that's just different church is a team because often when we come to church we come to church with a a sense of what i want my church to be you know I want my church to have excellent kids ministry, amazing music, strong youth program, great preaching, easy parking, warm greeters, great coffee, meaningful relationships, and significant outreach. And I'll be sure to critique you on all of those areas, right? The truth is, is when we come to church, some of us view church as a customer, that we've come to receive, that we've come here to be served. But being a customer leaves you flat at some point. You will be disappointed, no matter how rich your experience is here. And I pray that God gives us the ability to execute on all those levels. But the truth is, if you come as a consumer, you will be disappointed. So here's the shift. Can I give you a fresh view? Can we decide this together as a family, as a value of this family? And that's simply this, that I don't expect only to be served, but I get to serve others too. Yeah. Amen. Now, I hope when you come, you feel blessed. I hope when you come, you feel served because the Bible calls us to serve one another, right? And so I hope you feel served, but I just want you to understand, man, I just really believe this with all my heart, that God wants to make you blessed to be a blessing. God wants to use you to serve as you are served. So being on a team means that you're actually part of the solution rather than just someone who's critiquing the problems. And I've seen this, you know, it's it's interesting. Those who serve, they're actually, they have the best time at church. They have more fun. When you serve, you have more fun. The truth is, is you're a part of the solution. And the, the thing that I've noticed is that, you know what? If I will come to church prioritizing someone else's need, it's amazing what God does for me. It's like he just blesses me so much more. Because I can tell you, Lisa and I go home afterwards, and we have, we have a debrief about the conversations we had, and the people we saw, and the moments of reflection with people. And to hear someone say, I was so blessed because of that, or I heard this, or God spoke to me about that, or, or I, I received at the kids' ministry, my child, who I couldn't leave, was finally, I was able to leave them, and they had such a good time. You know, those are the wins for us because people have chosen to serve, and as a result, others are blessed. And this is a kingdom principle. That's why we were talking about your gifts last week, because every Christian has a spiritual gift. You have supernatural abilities. God has given you supernatural abilities. That is amazing. And those abilities, you know, you can see them in Romans 12. It's, it's, it's things like serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and showing kindness. But then in 1 Corinthians 12, there's two lists. And, and they're both amazing. And there's lots of really great ideas there for us in terms of how we could serve in the body of Christ. But sandwiched in between those two lists in 1 Corinthians 12 is this really beautiful metaphor about being a team together, about being on a team. In fact, the, Bi- the, the Bible uses this vivid metaphor about the human body, how complex and unique the human body is and Paul gives language to this in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because I just I think there's a freshness for you in it. And it says this in verse 27 of chapter 12. It says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. All of you together. Are you hearing the language here? Can I just tell you that there is nobody else on the planet who represents Christ? Christ's body, but his church. I want you to think about that. This is what this verse teaches us. This is the body of Christ. This is the visible representation of Jesus in the world. This is Jesus with skin on right here. It's powerful. Nobody else has been given that job, and nobody else can actually do that. You are on the team because you're a part of the body, You're on the team. The human body, this is verse uh, 12. It says, The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole. So it is with the body of Christ. And so in other words, we all have a part to play. We all have somewhere we're supposed to be in context of the body. And then verses 18 and 19, so good. It says, but our bodies have many parts. And and listen to this. God has put each part just where he wants it. In other words, you were made, you were created to play your part. Do you see that? God actually made you to do something in the church. God actually made you to function as part of the body. And then look at the, the, the last part of this verse. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Has anyone else ever been completely traumatized by Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> it's actually a really scary toy. Because you can find eyeballs anywhere. You have no idea where they're going to be. And sometimes you pick up this potato, and you're just thinking, could someone please dress this thing? This looks horrible. And if you think about in context to what Paul's saying here, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. It just doesn't look right. Somebody put some arms on that thing, right? Right? It's true. We understand this. Like, it doesn't make any sense if if it's just a giant nose laying on the ground. What's the point? We need all the parts of the body. The body, the church, is hindered when we don't play our parts. Do you see it? Let me drive this metaphor home just a bit. Can you, everyone, just pick up, you know, just lift your hand, lift your arm, look at your hand. See your hand there. Wiggle your fingers tickle your nose. Simon Says, put your hand on your head. Oh, this is fun! Man, I've never played Simon Says at church! Oh, Lisa, why didn't I think about that in the first service? We could add such a, anyway. So anyway, just look at your hand a minute. I want you to think about your hand. It's absolutely fantastic. Just keep looking at it. Just, you know, turn it over. Look at all the, you know, the movement, you know, in your, in your, on uh, the back of your hand. See all the Things moving in there, stuff. But let me just tell you, let me give you a, a, few, a few pictures here. There are 29 major and minor bones in your hand. 29 major joints in your hand. At least 123 named ligaments in this hand. No wonder when someone says, my hand hurts, it could be a number of things, right? 123 named ligaments. 48 nerves in the hand. 21 muscular branches, 30 arteries, 34 muscles which move the fingers and the thumb. 17 of those are in the hand, 18 are in the forearm. So what's the picture here? It is so incredibly detailed, the way God has made the human body to function. And how even the muscles in the forearm play a part with the hand being able to do its job. Do you understand that when things don't function right, the body is hindered? You can feel it when something's wrong with you. You're hindered. And understand the body metaphor. See it clearly because this is the truth. The body is connected. And what you do, or dare I say what you fail to do, has an impact on the whole. It affects the whole. And so let me say it this way. Making a difference is serving others with the gifts and the passions that God has given you. You must do that. You're a part of the body. God has called you to a function, created you for a function. And here's the problem. The problem is many of us already know this. You've heard, you know, someone preach about the body of Christ or say the body of Christ. And you get it. You see that picture, but still not serving. And I I wonder why that's the case. I think we've come out of a season where we have lost our why. Why the church? Like, we did fine. We were online. We all made it. Yeah, yeah, we missed each other, and now we're back. But why? And, And here's what I've learned. If you lose your why, you lose your way. If you don't know why, you don't know where or whom or which way to go. If you lose your why, you lose your way. And through COVID, through seasons of life, through our own challenge and our own difficulty, it's very, very easy to lose the why. And once the why is gone, then inactivity becomes more attractive than activity. Sedentary becomes more attractive then movement. And so we need to regain the why. You see, I'm going to give you a few reasons why you might have lost your why. But God will speak to you. I know that that's been my prayer. God will speak to you about your specifics. But some of us have lost our why, because we've let our past cripple us. You know, we all have a journey, we've all walked a journey. And for some of us, we feel more defined by our mistakes than by our successes. And we've allowed our mistakes to define us. We've made some bad choices. And as a result, we live with guilt or shame. Some of us, it's about the pain of the past, what happened, what didn't happen, what someone said, what someone didn't say. And the psalmist talks about this in Psalm 38. And here's what he says. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I'm bowed down and brought low. So, in other words, the past has such a bearing on the present that I feel like I am just under a weight, under a load. My past is crippling my present. I've lost my why. Your why can get lost in the pain of the past. And you know, through COVID, we actually made some new battle lines. It's too bad. There were new battle lines that were made about vaccination and not vaccination. There was battle lines about liberties and freedoms and choice and masks and so on. And none of us want to go back to that. But maybe some of us are still living in the crippling reality of that. The pain of that. The disappointment of that. The dispersion of that. The loss of relationship in that. The loss of family. Or, and that hurt is real. And maybe for some of you, it's just disappointment, like you tried, you served, you did some stuff, and it really wasn't that great. It really didn't work out. You didn't feel, you know, any sense of elation or fulfillment from it. It wasn't a good experience. Maybe someone didn't follow up. I I understand that. And and I'm just going to say to you, is there a place where we can forgive and try again? Is that possible? Can we forgive and try again? Because God's church is worth it. God's church is worth it. And just remember, when someone fails you, that's not God. And you're not serving them first, you're serving God, and as a result, you serve them. And if we can get that straight in our minds, we'll be able to have the capacity to forgive and realize that being involved is important, and being involved is right, and the sacrifice and the humility that that requires is good, and the best experience in church is when we serve So let's do that together. So sometimes we've lost our why because our past has crippled us. Maybe we've lost our why because we let culture define us. The press of culture is real, the press of culture is strong. The press of culture doesn't lead us into a growing, vibrant faith with Jesus. It moves us into selfishness, it moves us into confusion, it moves us into redefinition of value and identity. And that does not help us. But many of us have let culture define us. We've literally been discipled by our culture instead of by Jesus. And so as a result, we find ourselves, we we don't know why. We're here because of tradition. We're here because, you know, our family goes here or our friends go here. But we're living in the crippling grip of a culture that wants to define us. And it's things like nothing is ever free. The goal for me is to get and not to give. And and maybe it's more complex than that for you. But the question that I'm asking you is whose script are you living off of? Are you living off of your script? About your significance and, 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 and your achievement and your accomplishment? Are you living off of others' script? Trying to please them. Trying to make it right. Trying to get it right. On social media. With family pressures. With uh, um, you know, maybe it's a social group or, or some sort of political agenda, and we're trying to get it right there. The question I would ask you, if you're living someone else's script or even your own script and not God's script, how's that going for you? I think if you reflect on it, you'd have to say, I'm exhausted. I am so tired. This is so hard, and I'm not fulfilled. Because the truth is you were created by God to be a part of his family and to serve his church and the world on his behalf. And until that happens, we are unfulfilled because that's the purpose of life. And so I like what Paul says, this freeing verse from Galatians 1.10. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, listen to what he says, I would not be Christ's servant. Do you see the contrast here? You can either be pleasing people or a servant of Christ, but you cannot be both. You cannot be both. And this is so freeing, so liberating, liberating from the wrong pursuits, because I say I'm Christ's servant. And as a result, I serve people but I'm not controlled by them. I'm not doing it so that they'll like me. I'm I'm a different person than they are, and I'm here with obedience to God, and it's beautiful, and it's freeing, and I love what I do. There's a third reason why we can lose our why, and that's because we just press on, and we try to do what we're doing alone, all alone, and it simply doesn't work it's a body. There's many functions. There's many people. There's lots going on. And if I, if I try to do it alone, and many of you have been there, if I don't do it, it just won't get done. Has anyone ever said that before? <laughs> right? And that may be true. If you do it, some things can get done, but you're so limited. And that's not disrespectful. In fact, that's what I I try to tell myself, because a lot of people will say to me, Andy, you're just so busy. And and it's not that I'm busy, it's that I'm limited. I only have what I have. Time, capacity, energy, money, I only have what I have. And so it's not that I'm busy, it's that I'm limited. And so are you, we're all limited. And so that's why we do it together, friends. That's why we do it together. And listen, this is the real post COVID call. Are you ready for it? Come out of isolation. Come out of isolation. Come out of seeing it as you and you alone. Come out. Come and be a part of the body. It's wonderful that we're here. And it's wonderful that we're here physically, but let's come. Let's come out now. Isolation feels safe. Together might feel a little bit risky, but it's time to take the risk. Let's come out. Let's come out. There was a man all alone, the Bible says. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, without others to receive, to work with, without others as part of the reward to share with, what's the point? What's the point? I can accumulate it all. The bank account can be full. But it doesn't matter. There's no contentment. So we're going to refuse to get our why lost in isolation. So let me invite you. Let me invite you out of the past. Let me invite you out of the wrong pursuits. And let me invite you out of the isolation. This verse that we read in Isaiah 61, verse 4, says that together we can rebuild Together we can restore, together we can renew. Friends, we can do this together. We can do this as a team, as a family. And so let the shift come to you today. I will be a builder and a mover with my church. I will be on mission. And here's the challenge, and this is where it all comes down to it. If we don't do it, where is that next ministry team? Where is that next outreach? Where is that next move of restoration and rebuilding in the community? Where is that next initiative to the poor? If we don't do it, will it be done? We all have a part to play. I wonder what's waiting for you on the other side of your yes. I just wonder, all I can believe is that God is good and that the church is his idea and the church always needs champions. So in other words, God is up to something and it's big. It's so big. And your purpose connects to the bigger purpose. You're a part of it. And do you understand that? What you're actually a part of is so much bigger than the part you play. So your part is important. It's significant because you're a part of something that's so much bigger. I want to pray with you today. I know it might feel like for us at at Coastline Church that we're just kind of we're saying, come on, get involved, get moving. We've talked about this. Movement is so important for us. But the reason why we're so, so committed to seeing people serve the city and serve each other by being on a team is because We just understand what God has done for us and how he has served us. And the question is, is the serving supposed to stop with us or is it supposed to flow through us? I believe it's supposed to flow through us. God is the giver of all good gifts and that includes your life to someone else. Your life is a gift to someone else. Jesus. He came to serve. That's the picture. To give his life as a ransom. And so what's our response? Except that we serve and we love. You know, maybe you're here and your journey with God is just beginning. Can I just help you see for a moment in this quiet moment of reflection and prayer? that Jesus has already served you. He served you by giving you his life. Would you receive the love and the gift of Jesus Christ? If you've not done that, I wanna invite you to do that. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, be Lord here. And you know what, if you're making that decision, if you're saying that prayer, if you're submitting yourself to Jesus, and receiving his love and his grace and his act of service and giving his life for you. And I want to say welcome to the team. Welcome to the team. And I just think that there's somebody here today who, you know, knows the Lord and is following the Lord and wants to serve the Lord but hasn't been involved And I think what you need to do is you need to leave this service as soon as it's over and go to the next table and say, sign me up somewhere. I want to do something. I want to be a mover and a builder with my church. Sign me up. So, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, the wonderful opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, may we, with hearts that are full of joy, full of appreciation, full of thankfulness, Would we choose to serve your church and to serve our world on behalf of your church? Lord, light us on fire. Set your flame in our hearts. May we serve because we've been served so beautifully by our Savior. And Jesus, take our lives. Take our lives and make a difference with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to sing together. Let's lift our voices and let's worship our God.